Hey there, absolutely love and incredibly grateful that you are listening to the podcast. Just want to let you know that if you ever want the video version, because sometimes it helps, it just resonates a little bit differently for you. You can check out my YouTube channel, which is absolutely free. I am sharing tips and experiences there weekly. So if you prefer video, go check it out. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the business of being healthy, where we are passionate about treating our health as good as we treat our wealth. Shelly Bryan here, and I am obsessed with sharing real life experiences and wisdom to help save you time, heartache, and money as you continue to grow personally and professionally. Twice a week, we push aside that BS to take massive intentional action. And I promise by tuning in, you will receive the straightforward talk you've been waiting for, filled with actionable steps that will inspire you to achieve the health and wealth you desire while you are building your empire. All right, welcome back to another show here on the business of being healthy. Today's guest is one that I am just so grateful that she is able to share her time with us because it's going to, this episode will change your life, right? And I mean, both on like the personal side, but also the professional side, because Raquel Quinette is someone that is going to show you how to play bigger, but she is a highly sought after business coach, podcast host, co-author, real estate entrepreneur, and investor who has mastered the art of scaling businesses. Um, I'm over here raising my hand, getting ready to scale one of our businesses right now. So super excited for this conversation. But she is also the founder of the Play Bigger Consulting, and they specialize in helping small business owners and real estate agents scale their business revenue through private coaching, masterminds, and retreats. So I came across you, Raquel. First off, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, Shelly. I am so honored to be on your show and honored to provide value for your community. Oh my gosh. And I know everyone listening in right now is like, get ready. I hope if you're listening to this, definitely download it because you're going to want to re-listen or pull over, pull out the notes, get ready because this is going to be great. But Raquel, so when we first met, um, I actually, I didn't know who you were. (laughs) That's what I love about the story. I actually didn't know you. And I don't know how I didn't know you. I'm so glad this happened, right? Things are things in life are very fortuitous. But I went to your women's event last year in 2022. And it was like my first experience with you. And I was like, who is Raquel? She is amazing. She's brought together great women at this event. And I just want to get to know her more. And I followed you so much so that I then came to your Play Bigger event, which was fantastic. Okay. And one of the subjects that I want to really dive in here first on is heart. Because I have now seen you put on two different events, obviously watch you on social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I saw you live and you create an environment with so much heart, so much caring, so much honesty, so much realness. And I just got to know, how did you create that? Like what intentionality? Cause I know there is what intentionality is behind that. 
Oh my gosh. First of all, what a loaded question. And I'm just going to take it back a few steps because I think it comes from culture. It comes from welcoming people into my home all the time. Um, When I was growing up, uh, being raised by a big family, Filipino family, everyone comes in as strangers, but everyone always walks out as um, family. Doesn't matter where you come from. Uh, we always treat like that's what I've learned from my grandparents, my aunts and uncles. And then I just took that, I think, into my leadership roles when I was building teams, building companies, even in the recession, when I was the CEO of one of the Keller Williams office, it was bad times. And I just remember that not everyone's going through some rough times, divorces, people getting foreclosed on, our cars getting repossessed. Some of my agents, I had 300 agents at the time. And at the time I was 26, had a little baby, like, what do I know about leadership? And it was my first corporate role after building businesses. I got recruited to corporate. And I just knew that even if it was doom and gloom, what is it that I could bring as their leader into this office that could help raise the energy raise production, raise sales. And I think it starts with leadership. So I've always had that. And anytime, and again, I've learned just along the way, I've had lots of mess ups, but I've had great mentors as well. So on my way home from the office to my house, it was like a 15 minute drive. If I thought of an agent or if I didn't see an agent, it was my internal reaction to go reach out and use the phone and call them. And I think that as I started to grow and expand our team, I really understood culture and culture looks very different from office to office, from region to region. So how do you like make the culture so vibrant that people want to come work for you? And when we were climbing and getting our real estate team into 23 cities, it's like a franchise. Every office looks different because of who leads it, but there's still always core values. And I think that's really important. That's important so that if you step into an in and out, it's going to be the same service, but it's also going to carry the same culture. And how do you do that with so such so many different personalities? And I think it really hit home for me with events when I actually was climbing and it was like, what's next? What's next? And I had a best friend that had passed away who was actually my neighbor, who was like second home, like second mother to my children. So she already knew that I was super busy flying on an airplane all the time, but she would cook for our family because her son and my son were best friends. And so my very first event was probably our retreat in Turks and Caicos. And I shared the story of why I got into coaching is because I really wanted to impact more people. And if I could foster an environment where it wasn't always about accolades, but yet you got some big powerhouses in the room and people were coming from contribution, I felt that was gold because every, a lot of masterminds that I went to was surface, very surface. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you do? What have you built? What does your portfolio look like? Right. And then it's like, you're trying to make, meetings happen after that and it wasn't happening. So it's like, how do I foster a genuine collaborative environment where people feel seen, heard, and they feel loved? And that's what I think Play Bigger, I think that that's truly what we're known for is that it doesn't matter where you're at, you're going to come in and you're going to walk away with friends that really, truly want to support you. 
Uh, I'm like sitting here, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm like nodding my head and, and it just brought back like all these different memories that I have. Cause you know, I spent almost 18 years in corporate America. Right. And it was that front, right? Like everything's perfect. I'm only going to give you this much, but like kind of like tightened up me because mm-hmm. of kind of the mirror. I never really felt at home. Yeah. You know, I understand. And I was there. I was there because in corporate, when you are a woman in leadership, people want to walk all over you, especially when you're a CEO that got recruited from outside of state. So you're having to prove yourself. You're having to be tough. But then again, like one of my mentors, Mo Anderson, who is the co-chair of Keller Williams, she's like, you could still have a velvet hammer. You could still, at the end of the day, it's about relationships. And more than anything, as I've lost people along the way, is whether it was through bad partnerships or through death is that at the end of the day, what really matters is relationships. You can have all the money in the world. You can have the biggest portfolio, the best company and have all the accolades, be on Inc. 500 and all that stuff. But all that stuff goes away when no one shows up for you. And that comes in relationships. And and that's something that I think, um, I feel like maybe kind of that, really the recession time, I feel like the relationships were big and then it got kind of more, everyone got hurt a little bit. Right. And so they were like, kind of like pulling back and putting on this facade where now this relationship, there's a few brave and conscious leaders like yourself, like showing up in a way that is, that is modeling what it can look like when you do have those relationships. I mean, I got to tell you, everyone that is listening in right now, I've never felt the way that I did in a room that I did at Play Bigger. And I knew nobody. Um, I knew no, I knew Raquel. By the way, people still talk about you today. They're like, who's the girl that like wasn't blue? Like they know your outfit. (laughs) I had some great style. No, it it was like, it was so neat walking into that room and feeling so comfortable. And so that's something that I really wanted to highlight because I want other people business owners. I want other leaders. I want other moms to understand like the power behind that intentionality to be able to create those environments, right? Sometimes you can't, you know, walk into the room expecting someone else to do it for you. Even if it's not your event, even if it's not your company, if it's a client, you walk in and you provide that for them. Yeah. I really probably... I would say one thing is that I've invested in so many mentors and I've invested in so many different masterminds, even here locally. And I knew the moment I left and they weren't cheap by any means. Um, It was a very transactional relationship. And I said, if I ever get the opportunity to build community, it will not be transactional. It will be relationship driven, culture driven. And like I said, I think that every time we put on the events, it is well, how are the people going to feel? How's our guests going to arrive? What are we going to say as far as communication? You know, who's not plugging in that we need to pay attention? We actually download, even in our mastermind today, anybody that joins our community, we pull up profiles and we talk about each person that joins our mastermind, how many family members they have. We probably know more about them than their boss does or their broker does. Which it's like these little small things. Like I think if you're listening in to just even the your first answer, it was these little tiny things that sometimes we don't think are that significant, but it's those little tiny things on repeat, which create the significance, right? Which create that lasting, uh, lasting impression. But one thing that you just said right there that I just want to highlight is 
feeling. You know, I think so often, um, and I actually talk about this even in our health, right? Is whether we're transacting or investing, like, what are you doing? And it's like that environment is, we want that investing environment, right? I don't want to just get, you know, when I was a financial advisor back in the day, there were brokers in the office that were like, let me like make this one transaction, get my commission and be like, peace out. I really don't care how your investments do versus like my approach was all like, I'm going to sit on the side of the table with you. We are going to do this together. When you win, I win. When you lose, I lose. And I could feel that. And I think it's really all those little tiny things that that you were talking about doing and that feeling, thinking about them from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have someone that, you know, is building a team, whether it's a real estate team and or like getting ready to scale, let's kind of transition into scaling a little bit. Yeah. What are some things that you like to maybe coach on or set as a standard when you're going to scale a company or build a team? I know that you mentioned culture, but is there anything else? Yeah, I think first is understanding mm-hmm. the difference between scale and growth. I think Ooh. those um, get mixed a lot in business. And when you're growing, you're still adding resources. You may be expanding into market that's still not scale. Scale comes where you can outperform your revenue by limited resources and it's not proportionate. Your expenses aren't going up as much as your revenue, right? So I think when you're scaling, you've got some foundation built in. Mm -hmm. And if you are building a team, sometimes the team that you start with and as you scale, you will start to lose people because I say that you've got cul-de-sac talent, meaning that their talent stops and the company outgrows what you need. For example, if you have an assistant, then they go into an executive assistant. And I actually just mapped out our path for people that work for me of like, what is the path for the support side? A lot of times we see it for the sales side, but we never see it on the support side. They start off as an assistant, executive assistant. What's the difference between a director of ops to a chief of staff to a COO? So we, I just wanted to map it out. Like everyone has this opportunity and this is how you can kind of show up. So when you're building teams, I think it's important that whoever's leading that team, whether it's a CEO, whether it's a sales manager, is they have specific skill sets, I believe, and they also have weakness. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like I'll I'll use Jenny as an example. Everyone's like, wow, you and Jenny have been together. She's my right-hand person. She's been with me for 15 years. A lot of my employees have been with me for a long time. And I think I'm very blessed that way. But I also think that I do take care a lot of my, take care of my team. And people go, where can I find a Jenny? And I think that that can be short-sighted. And here's what I mean by that. Just because Jenny works well with me, she's understands the black, the yin and the yang. She understands how I operate. She knows how my brain works. Now, if you were to put her in a different environment with a different CEO, she may not be that perfect person. So when you're building a team is really understand your strengths and your weaknesses. We have what we call a user manual that has been such a game changer for all of my teams and people that I coach, our VIP clients, is when they hire somebody, is it's kind of like your love languages in business. You know, what what do they love? How do they like to be communicated? If they had bad news, how do they want it to be delivered? Uh, You know, feedback, it's got all these different questions. And really it's a user manual for that person. So two things is if you're scaling your team, just think that don't think that you're going to be set with this team forever because people come and go. So you just have to understand where you're at in your business growth or in your scale. 
and what key hires do you need? Um, and then think about when you do hire them is onboarding is super important. It's actually one of the biggest things to retention, whether it's a customer or an employee and how well do you know what people's capacities are? And then I think that like, as you start to scale and as you start to build teams is understanding your rituals of like what you provide as a company to foster growth so that they can continue to grow with you. Because if you lose an employee, they say it's eight to nine months worth of a salary and more. Because when you're hiring somebody, what we forget, if it's you that's training that person, you're the most expensive employee. You're the CEO, you're the most expensive. And if there's team meetings or company meetings, that's your most expensive meeting of the week because all of your company resources, everyone's salary is in that one hour, two hours, whatever it is. And that's a lot of time loss. So I would just give those things when it comes to building teams. I, I really loved how, I mean, there was so much good there. So I hope you stop, slow it down and write down all of those notes. But one thing that you mentioned, and I loved it with onboarding, is you mentioned what's the onboarding for your employees, but then also from your customers. I think sometimes when we think onboarding, you know, regardless of the type of business that you're in, you're thinking one-sided. But I truly believe like what you said right there, that was very eye-opening to me because, you know, through our general contracting business, we work a lot with property managers. We're on the commercial side. So we're working with a lot of property managers and having that relationship, right? So that onboarding process, that's something that I think that we can extract with our clients versus just employees that we are going to bring on. And I don't mean just employees. I mean, as we scale those employees. Yeah, I really think it sets the standards of your relationship in the onboarding process. That's where it gets started. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, um, just to, to reiterate what you were talking about when, um, you know, when I was in corporate, right. Whenever they would bring on a new sales rep. So we're talking like early two thousands and what have you. And I did a lot of training then. And it was very interesting because they wanted to know really quick whether that person was going to make it or not. Right. And a lot of that landed on me to help kind of make that decision because of the time to turn around to find the next person and the cost, right? We let them get in too far, then the the cost of replacing them even goes higher and higher and higher. Yeah. So um it's it's truly important. And I I, you know, I think we talk about onboarding, but not enough. Not enough. Not enough. And especially mm-hmm. when it comes to retention, right? Mm-hmm. This is your first impression, right? Yep. That's it's almost it. that's the relationship the employee, the customer relationship, the business partner relationship on how you guys first interact and onboard the relationship together. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know we just kind of talked about a little bit of scaling versus growth. Uh, What are some common pitfalls that you've seen uh, with scaling, right? With, With scaling that maybe our listeners could just be aware of to maybe try and avoid or learn before they make these. I think it's under not understanding their path to scale is where I see most businesses fail when it comes to scaling. And what I mean by that is they don't have clarity. So we actually operate with all of our private clients, a 5C framework. And the first one is clarity. Like if you were going to run a half marathon or a marathon, you know, no matter what, it's 26.2. Where it gets really tricky in business, if you want to scale to eight figures versus nine figures, there's a a little bit of differences there, 
right? So you just have to know clarity. Like, where do you guys actually want to scale? What does scale mean to the CEO or to the board of directors or to your team or to your company? What does that really truly mean? And you'll see that people will have different definitions. That means we want to grow our sales. We want to actually reach a revenue number. We want to have more net profit. So what does scale mean to that person? Or we want to expand into other markets with keeping our centralized location to outsource fulfillment. Whatever that is, is like, let's have clarity. Number two is what's the capacity factor? So if we were scaling an agent's business is if they're already busy today, how could I get them to have more capacity if they want to go into the next level or even a company? So if they want to go from 1 million to 5 million, what does their capacity look like? Because they're going to have to give up some things that they're doing right now if their calendar is completely jam-packed. So, and then it's also some of the leadership roles or some of the people on the team. So if you've got an assistant, what's their capacity? If they're already overwhelmed now, it's going to break when you start to scale. Then the next C is core foundations. What core foundations do you already have in your business that works today? Because you can build on top of that. Because if it's not great, when you scale, your problems become bigger. So like if your onboarding wasn't great or if your checkout and your fulfillment wasn't great, service being delivered, it's going to break when you scale, when you serve more customers. Um, And then the next one is what machines are missing. So oftentimes I'll find different things that are missing in their business, whether it's client acquisition, whether it's marketing, whether it's the retention piece, their customers are not coming back. Um, So that would be what can we do to create machines so that that can happen? And then the last C is collaboration. What worked, what didn't work, and then how do you get to the next level? So it's like an like always evolving thing as you start to scale to different stages of your business. I love that. And and I appreciate you sharing that because I think it's it's important to know like what you do want to do, but like also like, ooh, like make sure we're paying attention to the, these things over here. Now, one thing that I know, um, I was I was truly impressed uh, by one of your coaching clients that spoke, Riley, um, and the systems. Help me understand and help our listeners understand when it comes to systems, like how are you using AI? What is it software? Is it hardware or people systems? Like how do you evaluate systems with within a business? Yeah, well, shout out to Riley because he is, Um, if you would have met him in September, when we first started, he wanted to demolish his whole business, quit. He just wasn't even sure if the business was for him and he's completely turned it around and he's forexed his business today. And it all comes down to putting systems into place and hiring the right people. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to systems, and I truly believe I'm actually going to see somebody's operation tomorrow. Um, and they'll do in sales volume, they'll do about $6 billion in real estate this year. One of the biggest fishes, I think in our industry and it all comes down to processes and it all comes down to systems. Um, and I think it's, if I pulled you out and this is something that we talk about with our clients today, if you had to sell because people are making offers, if you had to sell and exit your business, what is it truly worth? If I pulled you out of the business. So when I look at a business and I evaluate scaling, somebody's business is like, if the person is Shelly and she's doing majority of the sales, whether it's, you know, masterminds or real estate. If I pulled her out and she's 70% of the business, that really doesn't have a lot of value because it's going to, it's going to shrink as she's, as she leaves in the next 30, 60 days, we'll be lucky if it reaches 90 days. Um, And I would say when it comes to systems is 
how much, if you have solid systems, whether it's tech, whether it's processes as far as SOP, whether now it's AI, is you can scale a lot today, especially I think after 2020, is you can scale a lot today with very minimal resources and just systems. Mm. If you don't have it documented, and if you ever feel that you're in a position where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm running out of time. I have too many things to do. There's probably some repeating tasks that you constantly do. And I always say that you're either missing a system or you're missing a person in your life. That usually will solve a lot of our business problems. I I think that's so powerful because especially as business owners, we can all fall in that trap of like, no one can do it as good as me, right? Like, oh, I am the only one that can do this right. And I'm going to, I'm like calling out Chris right now on something is like, I am the only one. And I'm like, that's fine. I'm watching and I can like extrapolate. And that's where I think having that like coach mentor, someone else look at it is like, I can see from a totally different eyesight on different things. And I'm like, Oh no, we can systemize that. Like, I see what you're doing. Like you are that special. You created the system, but I think sometimes we can't get out of our own way because we think or believe or have some story or experience from our past that is telling us, don't give it up. You are the only one that can do it. Do you see that? Yeah. Yeah. I see it all the time. And I think that's the biggest difference with people that actually can scale uh, at such a fast rate versus the ones that can't because they're stuck in old thoughts of only I can do it better. Uh, We're notorious for it. I was there too. So I get it. Um, and you start to realize that if something happened to you and the reason why I got really good at system is I broke my ankle and I couldn't drive and being a realtor. And when you've got lots of clients and demand, you're just like, oh crap, now what do I do? Then you figure out, oh, I got to build a team. Right. And then you got, you're like, how do I do everything from just a computer? And then you start to see like, oh my gosh, this actually works. So I would say for those that are like, kind of stuck in that. Just imagine if something happened to your business today, if something happened to you and you operate everything, like it wouldn't go very far. The business would not continue to run. And believe it or not, there are people that can do it. It just comes down to training and your patience to actually train or write it down, everything that's in your head on paper. Mm, It's so good. And that's hard to do. That's it. I mean, it it can be hard to do. I was just doing that with with a system uh, that Chris was doing just this week. So, but and and it's like having someone else, like right, like it's so great. Like I can help Chris, and we can extrapolate what he's doing. But some like hire someone else, like even a transcriber, like someone sitting with you that just mm-hmm. hears you, like actually brain dump what you're doing that you don't even realize. I think yeah. that's often a, a thing. Is like we just do it, and it's like a habit. So you're really not putting that much brain power behind it. When in fact, that's like a key driver to your business. Yes. So true. So true. Okay. Um, so when it, when it comes to like systems scaling, you know, I think so often I've actually heard this in rooms that we say sometimes, well, that costs money. Like I have to pay some, like you said, replace it with a system or a person. Mm-hmm. Right. And there, there can be that fear also of, I I don't know that I can do that. I, you know, I, to have the income to be able to do that, or that's a big expense to my business at this point, how would you help someone kind of coach through that, that portion? Oh, I love this question because guess what? The most expensive person 
in your company as you. So mm-hmm. you doing emails or you doing whatever task, you can hire virtual assistants today for $3 an hour, online mm-hmm. jobs, PH, right? So it's just taking the time to get it out of your head and into a system, but you're overpaying. Your company is overpaying. If you actually took ego out and you operated as a company, let's say it was Shelly's construction and that's the company. It's not Shelly, even though that she has all the contacts and whatever, but it's a business at the end of the day. And you are the most expensive employee, unless you're paying somebody as a CEO that could be more expensive than you. And you're not taking a salary. I've seen that as well, but you doing all those different tasks, just remember you're the most expensive person and you can probably cut your time, get some of that back, go generate business, which is way better than being behind the scenes or creating some, some systems. And here's the thing with systems. You create it once you can forget about it for a little bit and then you can upgrade it later. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But now you've got everybody thinking. And I always say like to my CEOs that we coach today is your investment on a talented person early on will 10 X your freedom so much quicker. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that freedom because that, that freedom, not only, you know, lack of a better word, frees you up to, you know, go scale your business, but that freedom also allows you to do other things that you maybe didn't think were possible, right? Maybe trips with the family, maybe investing in your health, different things is like, we always, we like to tell ourselves these stories of I'm too busy. I'm too important. I can't step away. I can't do these things. When in fact, it's like, go. Oh man, I've eaten, I don't know about our listeners right now. I can tell you, I have eaten an ego sandwich over the last oh, like thanks. year. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, when is this going to be done? <laughs> Every but this time. is where this shift comes, right? Is mm-hmm. how do I fight? Like the question that I keep asking myself is how do I fire myself from doing this? Right. Because I eventually want to get out of not being the face of play bigger. It's play bigger for a reason. It's not Raquel's coaching, right? Because we want to expand into other things. And so it's like, how can I fire myself from doing this today? Oh, that is such a great, great question. Um, I know our listeners are going to take that, but I'm definitely going to take that one to heart because there's so much more, you know, we want to do and grow and build and, you know, serve that it's like, we can't do it all. So fire yourself from these one areas and then grow in the others. Yes. And I think you brought it up where it's like, what, well, what if they don't have limit, they have limited resources and they don't have money. I think you can get really creative with, like I said, with Zapier, with tech, with even Zoom, like booking a Zoom. And there's so much automations to all these things. And then like right now I have kids that are home from school. So I'm like, how can I fire myself from this? I'm like, perfect. You and I, we're going to have classroom for 30 minutes. And this is what you guys are going to do today. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And then it's like, you get to pay them business expense, all the good yeah, stuff, all the good stuff. Now, um, one thing I'd love to just kind of hear your perspective because AI, right. Come on the scene. Um, you know, we're, you, we're both using Otter right now, otter.ai. How are you incorporating AI? What are some of the strengths that you see? And then what are some of the pitfalls that maybe you've experienced or are cautious of? Oh, you hit me at the right time because in our topic for our mastermind, it's AI. And I'm putting a playbook together so that I can shortcut their learning so they don't have to go everywhere. Because there's so many tools when it comes to AI. And I don't think it's going away. Um, Mm -hmm. If there are products out there, and I'm telling all my friends that like, hey, I'd I'd love to be an investor in anything that you guys got going on with AI, right? Because it is not going away. 
And it, it, and when I think about it, it is, um, it's like how when Google first came out and while, while these internet searches, it was foreign to everyone. And then all of a sudden we can't live without it. Now it's like every day I'm opening up that app and how are we using it in our business today? We use it in so many different ways. I think there's so many different tools. I think you just have to understand the six different ways that you can use different AI tools. Is it from like chat GPT, let's just take that as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a languaging processing tool, right? So it's a robot that you can feed it prompts, um, depending on how you structure your prompts, that it can spit out so many different things. I actually just created a cheat sheet for our mastermind members of like, here's how you guys can, you really utilize this and save you time and money. Um, and I also think that the one thing that it can't, the downfalls of it is it will never replace your experience. Just like when I'm in the real estate industry and been here for two decades, I remember when Zillow first came out. I remember when banks were going to think about doing real estate and having a, a brokerage and they were like, you know, our agents are going to, we're going to be out of business. And I don't think even today with Zillow being the biggest data company in our industry, they're ever going to replace agents completely because you cannot experience, you cannot replace experience. Mm -hmm. So where you get generic answers, and I think this is going to help even with content. A lot of people will use AI tools to generate beautiful content, but at the end of the day, what's going to separate yourself is your experience. I love that. that. I love that. That's the thing is, I think, um, you know, I think there's so many different interesting things with, with AI, right? Like first it was, it's going to replace the blue collar jobs. No, it's actually replacing the white collar. Like it's, it's changing up uh, a lot of expectations that we had, but I think you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, it's our experience and the way that we're able to communicate it, that artificial intelligence as it sits right now, will not be able to do that. Yeah. Now, so I, I think for our business and where we're looking at AI and in the future is I think about my kids' generation because they will be the ones that will be purchasing properties later on. What does that experience look like? So we're building, I'm actually going and revamping a lot of our systems as we speak right now. Like I was up yesterday over the weekend, just locked myself and be like, okay, this is how we're going to utilize video instead of just email and text. Um, and this is, and we used AI a lot. Like where can, where do we need language today of, cause some of them are so outdated. Some of our email campaigns were so outdated from many years ago that we just purchased that we can purchase in our industry. Right. Yeah. So I think they use, I know my son uses chat GPT all the time mm. in school. So they want fast response. So when it comes to customer service, how I'm actually helping some of our teams today is like, how fast can you control that customer journey or that customer experience? Because if they can find it on chat GPT of where, what do you think the market's going to do in 2024? And you don't have that answer when they ask you, you just put yourself in uh, in a space where they don't think you're credible. Mm. What an incredible perspective because that that's something and to be quite frank i haven't even thought about yet is is that now not only within our specific industries do we need to stay versed and educated on all things going on we have to do it at such a rate now that we are at least at par if not better than chat gbt and the way which we're communicating it right yeah. mhm for sure 
Incredible. Okay. What it like, so you talked about chat GBT, video AI. Um, it sounds like some uh, maybe chat GBT for the emails or some other type of AI system. Is there anything else that you're excited for maybe for the real estate industry specific? Yeah, uh, I think our learning, AI? our learning, you talked about it right now is I think learning is going to be enhanced with AI, okay. like by lightning speed. And before in our industry, you would actually have to go to an office to get trained on how to do sales, how to do your listing presentation, your buyer consultation. Today, you can learn all from a computer. Mm-hmm. And I think the teams that have e-learning where they can learn at any time, I mean, it's almost like you got to mix e-learning and, and the gig economy, right? You think mm-hmm. about Uber, you think about, you know, um, Lyft, uh, Turo, like how other people are making money outside of their eight to five jobs, right? They yeah. want to work when they want to work. They want to turn it off when they want to turn it off. And that's the same thing that we have with an all commission real estate industry is people want to learn when they want to learn. And some people are learning even in our mastermind. A lot of them don't even show up to live calls. They do for like our live community. But a lot of them I see watching our content, our classes at 10, 11 o'clock at night. So I think we're going to see that shift. And now you've got AI tools that you can have Raquel speaking and type everything out or plug in your Otter AI transcript and put it in there. And it's going to teach a class. Yep. Well, and then it's like, you can take all of that content, right? And then repurpose it and be able to create the courses and and do all of the things at record speed. Yeah. And you're starting... You're starting to see the e space, right? Because I think in the pandemic, everyone was selling courses. Now you're not seeing that at all. Like I barely see anybody launching a program on social media today. Mm-hmm. That's right because everything's so accessible. Yep, yep. And I really love your point, and I think this is something that we can look at in all different all different facets of, regardless of the business, is the consumption time. Right. Not necessarily length of time, because I think that's one conversation, but the consumption time, because to your point, I mean, we're all so busy. If we have, you know, our main job, our side hustle, a family, yeah, yeah, like all these things, horses, right? Like you have all these things and then it's like, okay, cool. Like everybody's quiet. I'm going to go do my thing at 11 o'clock. Or for me, it's like early, early mornings are my time. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I need the, I need the 5 a.m. ready to go. And while that might not be live, it's that pre recorded or other form of doing it. So I think that's an important just tip to kind of keep in mind for, for all of our listeners, regardless of what you're doing, is when are they able to consume it? Yeah. And a lot of them are watching it. I, I'm very guilty because I've got to get through some courses, even for some licensing stuff, both in California and here. I'm watching things at 2x, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you're watching it a lot quicker because you're just like, I need to get through all this material. Yep. Yep. That's me on podcasting. Certain hosts, I can like do it one and a half. And then some I'm like, whoa, you're speaking too fast. Bring it down. (laughs) But I love that ability, like that ability to do it. And it's nice because we all learn and listen at different levels, you know, Mm -hmm. and now we have the options to do that. So, you know, one thing that you've talked about a lot that I would really love to give your take on it is mentoring right? Mentoring and masterminds. Because I think um, 
we're definitely seeing a rise in masterminds right now. To your point, kind of courses going down, live masterminds going up. Um, I'm seeing, I don't know if maybe it's just my visibility, you know, when you notice something, then you see it all the time. Um, the the visibility of the masterminds are prevalent right now. Mm-hmm. Help us understand um, one kind of, I know you said you've had mentors. I've had mentors and some I learned what not to do. And, you know, they weren't the experience I had hoped for. Um, I can talk about expectations and all things, but I want, I would love to hear your thoughts on creating that mentor mentee relationship, regardless of the side that you're on. Yeah. So when it comes to mentors, I think it's just, again, I agree with you. I've had my fair share of Wow. I was in for a really wake up call. And you think sometimes like the higher you pay, you expect so much more. And you're just like, I can't even believe people are paying this. The highest I ever paid was a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't even get a fraction of nothing. Yeah. So I've been there definitely. So I think it's important to do your research first and foremost Mm -hmm. and ask people, that have been in that mastermind or what really is it? Cause people can sell their brand. They can sell who they are. And like I said, I've seen, I've had some where they're transactional and figure out one, what type of mentorship do you want? Do you want it where it's live? Do you want it where there's events? Do you want it where there's community? Or are you looking more for a private? Cause they call it, still call it a mentorship or private one-on-one or like type of coaching relationship. So I think it's, what do you need in your business? And who would be the best person to help you kind of get there? Sometimes you need a mentor I mean, uh, for finances. Sometimes you need it for scaling. And sometimes what I always like to ask is what does their experience look like? And for me, I, mine is a lot in business or in health. It's like, what's, what, what knowledge do they have? Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you now, if I'm not going to hire somebody for health, if their health is out of whack, and physically, I know it's bad, but physically, like I don't see their discipline or they're on social media drinking all the time. Like that just doesn't make sense. It's like the the brand and what you're selling do not are not in alignment. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> right. So I would say find out what you want. Go interview some people, ask for references. Um, and I think it just depends on what you're looking for, because one person's experience can be completely different from another one's too, you know, depending on, you know, some people love community, some people, like I said, want that private one-on-one. So I, like I said, I will tell you what not to do is not hire somebody just because they've got all the followers and they've got all the brand. And you think like all these people are going to go into this mastermind and they're going to give you so many resources and then it's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's such a big disappointment. And, and, you know, I, looking back for me and just to share this with, with, um, the listeners right now, you know, it wasn't necessarily, it was, it was a false expectation. I didn't cl- clearly and clarify all of my expectations and what I was not only paying, but like what I should expected to receive based upon the relationship. And, you know, while that could sound transactional, I just think that sometimes when, when we have these bad experiences, it's misaligned expectations. Um, it doesn't mean the person is a bad person. It's just, I hired for X and I got Z, you know, and that's not what I wanted. 
So, um, I love and that, let's that, say that you were in that situation. Let's say you got stuck and you happen to be in that, or you're listening right now and you happen to be in that situation. I'll tell you where I've learned to pivot in those situations because I didn't know, and you are going to mess up. Like even still today, I mess up hiring different mentors. Cause I'm thinking that I'm getting one thing and not the other is I start to look around and start to foster relationships inside the mastermind mm. because if anything, you can always expand your network. Oh, I love that. I love that. And you said that you are part of six, is it six masterminds right now? Mm-hmm. One just ended. Okay. So kind of tell us about that. Cause a lot of, you know, it's like do this one mastermind and this, but you had six. So were you looking for obviously diverse, uh, you yeah. know, experiences per each one? Why six? So first I would never recommend, especially if you're an earlier entrepreneur to have multiple coaches. I think you get to a point where you have a specific need And just because you hear somebody say like, I have two coaches or I have four coaches or I have six masterminds, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's for you at that time. Maybe in the future, maybe not just not now. So it's not super sexy. It was all of it was by design and some of it was not by design, right? It was, I wanted something for a wealth journey. And then I wanted something for women's, like women's life coaching and retreats and like a tribe. Then I wanted something for just specifically on scaling. Then I wanted something for just creative entrepreneurs who are doing it at such a massive scale. Like these people are big YouTubers. Like I am the smallest fish in that mastermind by far, right? But I wanted to learn content and I wanted to learn like how people shoot videos, how they've created their content team and learn from people that actually study these things every single day. So I think it's just understanding what is it that you need for your business and not to join all of them at the same time. They didn't happen like, oh, I'm going to sign up for six today. It was one was for a year, one was for three months, one was for six months. And then I've, I've just extended it. Or I've, 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 um, like I said earlier is I had different relationships where they ended up starting another mastermind. And because I love that person and I, I wanted to support them, I wanted to go ahead and support their mastermind. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Okay. Um, because I think sometimes we think like the mastermind should be a one size fits all, right? And it's like different different aspects of whatever area of growth that you want. And it's not always business related. I think sometimes we're always like, I need this new course. I need this new knowledge. And that's going to give me my business when in fact, you actually might need to do inner work, right? Or you might need to focus on your health. Like something else is going to be the the leading you know, leading up to where you want to go. So real quick, I wanted to share that I'm working on my social media presence by focusing on Instagram and LinkedIn. Definitely still learning the LinkedIn game, but it's actually a lot more enjoyable and I can say it's pretty fun. But I can tell you what I love the most is connecting and learning from other like-minded professionals. So if we aren't connected on either platform, I would love to learn more about you and connect together. Go ahead, shoot me a DM, follow me, tag me. Let's connect. Let's have some fun elevating our health while we are building our wealth. You know, here on obviously business of being healthy, one thing that I see you consistently, I saw this at obviously the Play Bigger event. Um, many of your speakers, you know, 
spoke to this point, but I see you also doing it too, is incorporating health. Um, I see you on the stairs. I see you, you know, doing your thing. How, how have you incorporated it? Because I know if, if you haven't gotten, gotten this yet in this episode, Raquel is a force to be reckoned with. And, and you hear her knowledge. Like I love listening to how you process and, and share information. It's very easy to follow. So you can see how busy she has been, not only in the business world, but also, you know, two boys playing sports, doing all the things, scaling the business, uh, launching a new real estate team, like all these things, yet you still have time to kind of focus on your health. How have you been able to do that? I think it's so important. Uh, I think it's the most important thing. If you don't have health, I feel like you can't fill out other people's buckets. I think how it's evolved over the years is it's always been part of my my life. And there are some days where I'm motivated and there are some days where I'm not. Uh, there were times where I wanted to lose and look a certain way. I even did fitness competitions um, along my health and fitness journey. I learned so much about nutrition. And today it's more of a ritual of body movement, of creating energy. And like my mentor, Sharon, likes to say is manufacturing energy. When you can manufacture energy, and it's one of my daily targets, is you can create capacity. And so, and you can fill like so many other people's cups. And I think it starts with whatever it is. If it's, uh, you know, walking, if it's going outside, I think that sometimes we tend to think, and I was so guilty of this too, is like, I got to go to the gym at a certain time. I got to do an hour's worth of workout. But now I have this thing of like, if there's going to be a day where I'm not perfect, there's going to be a day where I snooze, there is going to be a day where I'm exhausted and I don't want to go to the gym. But I have this thing called what my expectation is and what my floor is like mm. the And what that means for me is like, even if I can get on the treadmill for 10 minutes or five minutes, that's my floor at bare minimum that I can actually manufacture, create energy and create body movement. So it is health not only just in terms of exercise, but also what I eat because I am on Zoom calls because I it takes a lot of brain power to actually look at somebody's business and strategize. There's no like one size fits all. You're not giving just these chat GPT prompts and answers to a business. You're actually looking at their business and going, how can I move the needle? And when you've got back-to-back -back calls, that's a lot of brain power that you've used all day. So for me to get that type of energy, is it starts with me. Because I can't show up to the calls exhausted or tired. Yeah, I just love that. I love that. And two points I just want to like highlight there is, you know, you are taking care of you to actually take better care of everybody else. Number one, mm -hmm. like that is something and it's tied to the second point I wanted to make is reframing. You reframed exercise for you as uh, generating energy. Was that mm -hmm. it? The, yep. the exact is like, how can you generate energy? Sometimes when it comes to our health, that's what we need to do is reframe it, right? It's not necessarily about the physical look, right? While the feel of putting on clothes that you feel great in boosts confidence, of course, right? Or you do something that you never thought you could do at the gym, that's going to boost your confidence. But sometimes we just got to reframe it. It's like, what do I need to get from this? Do I need to get creative energy? Do I need to create uh, a space for me to like be able to like brain dump into a voice note as I'm walking? Like, what is it? So I love that you reframe it. Um, and you know, 
one thing that we actually just barely touched on Raquel is being a mom, right? Being a mom and being a CEO, scaling multiple businesses, helping other business owners do it, running these events, coaching and being a mom, right? Mm -hmm. I know that someone that is as driven as you, and, and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, but I know for me, the guilt has hit me at times when I've been on a plane traveling every week, when I'm so focused, you know, we're working all day on Sunday because listen, we're in a period of growth right now for the business. And the mom guilt is there. I feel like I can say it used to be really hard on me. Now I've been able to do things and actually it's incorporating my kids a lot into it that has helped. I'd love to for you to share with any moms that are listening and any parents listening in right now, you're playing so big in your professional life. How do you one play bigger in your personal life with your family, but also navigate any mom guilt if it's there? Yeah. I think, uh, when I first started my career and I first had kids, um, I was told I couldn't have kids. So that was such a big priority and I would have mom guilt. I think today my kids are older, one's 17 and one's 13. I don't have it because they understand mom's goals. They understand integration. They understand our lifestyle. And if anything, I think it's helped them accomplish their goals. When they see mom going after goals and they're a part of the goal things, like I've never taken a corporate job without sitting them all down and go, this is what it looks like. I always want to prepare. So just like you are raising kids and if they were going to touch a hot stove, you're going to prepare them like, hey, it's hot. If you get this thing out of the oven, the cookies out of the ovens, don't put the gloves on, right? So you're preparing them. And I think we have to do that too in business. It's like, if mom's going to take this role and fly all over the country, there's going to be days where you're going to have mac and cheese. You're going to have, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mom's not going to be home all the time. But what I'll tell you is that we're going after something together as a unit. Mm-hmm. And I think that has fostered now you know, into my, my kids are in sports. They're in elite sports. They travel for sports. They, they definitely have the discipline one place for the circuit for under armor. And he is constant, like no one has to tell him to get up, but, and he also knows that this is his, this is prime year. Cause he's a junior. And this is the year that he's going to get scholarships. He wants to play division one basketball. And it is a fight to have, there's only so many slots, but I think when kids see what your actions are, not by you just telling them that you're going to go do this, but you actually go and do it. They get inspired, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. I would much rather have them be inspired by my actions, by me working hard than them having, and they all know that we're doing this for, as a unit, for a better lifestyle, for vacations, for whatever it is for their future, so that we don't ever have to worry about finances. I've always said that. We can always take the easy route and you can take the easy route in life. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, will you have regrets is what I tell them. Oh, that is so good. So good. And, and I just really appreciate you sharing that. Cause I know, you know, a lot of the moms I I talk with, there's like, I feel this hold back, right? Because they don't want to truly step in because it's like, what if, what happens with my family, right? And I think it's like they come along with you, mm-hmm. right? It's our role as mom as leader to take them with us. So um, I really appreciate you sharing that side of it. Yeah, and I just want to add to that because that's a question that I get too with 
Um, and we see it a lot in our industry because you can work your tail off and you see a lot of divorces is like, Raquel, how do you continue to foster an 18 year marriage when you're on the road or you're growing and your partner's not always growing? And you know what? One mentor told me this and I wasn't smart enough to think about this, but I took these words to heart and she said, you bring him and you bring him side by side with you so that you guys grow together. It's your responsibility. If you are outgrowing your partner, it's your responsibility to bring them with you. And I think oftentimes, especially as women, it's like, oh, they're not growing with us or even males, vice versa. They're not growing with us or we've outgrown each other somewhere along that journey someone decided not to be committed and outgrow the other person and not carry the other person along. You wouldn't do that to your kids. So when you are in some type of partnership, I would just relook at that. Oh, I love that. And if you, guys- you would do that in business any day that the business didn't make money, that wasn't profitable, you would fight all day long to keep that business open if it meant something to both partners. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's where like all those transferable mindset and skills, it's not just in your business. It's also a lot in your personal. It's the same thing. It's just reframing it. So I absolutely love that. Um, So aligned there. So kind of as we're we're closing up here, I want to ask you, when it comes to scaling, because I, I mean, you are just so fire, like you can see things. I'm sure when you dive into business, you see things right away. What is one thing that you wish you knew sooner when you scaled your first business? Oh, so many things. I wish that I would have hired uh, a mentor so much quicker that had the experience instead of me trying to have ego to try to figure it out. Like I could do this on my own because the path to success and the shortcut to it is somebody that's already done it. And that has the experience and the lessons already. Gosh, yeah. You're just, you're, you're paying for time, essentially, mm-hmm. right? How you're paying for the time. time. Mm-hmm. 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 I love that. Okay. Raquel, I just got to say, you know, I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed our time together. I appreciate you sharing so much with our listeners. Um, what is the best way for our listeners to, to stay in contact with you and follow along? Yeah, I am on Instagram majority and it is, it's Raquel Q, I-T-S, Raquel, R-A-Q-U-E-L-Q. And you can send me a DM. Happy to chat. Love connecting with people. Yes, I will speak for that too. So yes, we will um, obviously link up everything in the show notes to make sure that you guys can easily follow Raquel. Um, Raquel, thank you again. Thank you again. Thank you so much. All right. Well, make sure that you guys are tuning in twice a week here. I have a solo episode, a wonderful guest episode like today with Raquel. And if you found value and maybe this solved a problem for you, that word value gets so muddied. If this, you know, Raquel shared something that solved a problem for you and your business, I would love, we would love to give you all the recognition and all the love and appreciation by sharing it. So go ahead, snap a photo, share it, tag us, and we will make sure to give you all the love. Until next time.